This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Cram, and today I have an extra special guest with me. Her name is Debbie Martin, and Debbie is extra special because she is a licensed veterinary technician, and all veterinarians everywhere know how important veterinary technicians are, but also she is a specialist in behavior, which is a little extra something that she has invested time in to make a difference for pets. So, we are going to be talking with Debbie today about cat brains. Are we ruining our cat? And we'll be back with Debbie right after these messages. Tired of wasting money on giant bags, boxes, and jugs of litter that don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter that lets you use less and get more. World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to deliver outstanding odor control and easy cleanup. It's lightweight, 99% dust-free, and pet, people, and planet-friendly. It's even flushable. Make the switch to World's Best Cat Litter and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'm here today with Debbie Martin, who, as we mentioned, is a licensed veterinary technician with a specialist in behavior. And we want to talk about cat brains. Welcome, Debbie. Good morning, Dr. Cat. Great to be here. So talk to me a little bit about how cat brains work and, and what we can do to impact our cat's development and happiness and health. Well, I think I first need to give you a little bit of full disclosure of why this is such a passion of mine. I actually used to be a preschool teacher before I went back to school to become a veterinary technician. And so I naturally gravitated in the veterinary field to behavioral development and how we could actually influence the development and behavior of our pets by the early experiences that we give them, just as we can with children. So from that point, it certainly has developed my interest in feline development as well. And I totally lost your question. (laughs) So... Sorry. That's okay. We'll get to a lot of different things. So I think that it's important for cat lovers to think about what we maybe don't really get about how cats work and how cats think. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and certainly there are critical stages of development that cats go through, and those will affect their overall experiences and how how their brain develops even. So, for example, a queen who is pregnant with her kittens, if she has nutritional deprivation or is fed a poor diet, that actually affects the development of those kittens and can affect their behavior throughout their life. They can actually be more fearful, more socially inhibited or withdrawn. So the nutrition of the queen in utero for the kittens has an impact on them, on their brain development, as well as if the queen is exposed to a lot of 
stress, emotional stress during her pregnancy that will affect how the kittens respond to stressors as they develop and become adult cats and can actually have a detrimental effect on them. So all those things, even before they're born, are affecting how the brain works. It's really fascinating about all the factors that come into play with the development of a kitten's brain and how they think and how they become adults. And so if someone adopts a kitten and they don't really know, maybe from a shelter, they don't really know about the health of the queen or the nutrition of the queen, are there things that we can do with our kittens when they are new to us to kind of help offset any of those bad things that may have happened when they were still in utero? We certainly can. I mean, behavior is a combination of genetics and learning or lack of learning, lack of experiences. So there's a combination of things that are going on. There's nurture and nature. So if we have a great genetic development beforehand, so we have a a Tom, actually the studies actually show that oftentimes friendliness of cats comes from the tomcat, the male, contributing to it, even without his direct intervention or interactions with the kittens, just his genetic pool can actually influence how friendly a cat can be and how outgoing they can be. So certainly we have the genetic kind of predisposition of what they're born with, and then we have experiences. And so providing positive experiences, letting the cat decide if they're going to interact or not interact rather than forcing things can help a cat maybe that is maybe less likely to explore or meet new people or is worried about those things can actually help them come out of their shell. Probably one of the best things that people can do with cats is play hard to get. And what I mean by that is all of us cat lovers, we want the cat to like us. So oftentimes we want to engage with them and want to become their friends really fast. And that may be too quickly for them or too fast. And so if you actually play hard to get or coach your friends to play hard to get with your cat, oftentimes the cat will warm up to them much faster because they see them as less threatening and they become curious just as they normally would. I think that is super fascinating. I've already learned some things today that my cat's personality may be linked a little bit to who his father was, and we don't really know who his father was, and that interacting with a cat is maybe a little bit like dating with playing hard to get. That is fascinating. So when a kitten goes to its permanent home, does it matter when that is during the growth and development of that kitten? It does. It really does. And and really, kittens should stay with the queen and the litter mates till at least 10 weeks of age. And that most cats go to new homes very early on and oftentimes at four to six weeks of age. And that really sets them up for having difficulties, behaviorally at least, because it makes it more difficult for them if they're going to live in a multi-cat household to learn the appropriate social skills from their litter mates. They really need to learn that during that sensitive period of time called the socialization period, which is from about two weeks of age up to seven, maybe 10 weeks of age. That's why we're suggesting that kittens stay in the litter until 10 weeks of age before going to their new home. And during that socialization period, they're also learning about people. And that puts a lot of responsibility actually on whoever's raising the litter of kittens and the queen. Because the studies show that kittens that are handled by numerous people, so not just one person, but multiple people, even for just five minutes a day during their socialization period, are actually more outgoing, 
more friendly, less fearful, they show less avoidance, and they actually show more exploratory behavior. So gentle handling during the socialization period is very important, but also being around their litter mates and learning from their queen or their mother, as well as from their litter mates, appropriate kitten communication and cat communication is really critical. And we can't give that to them if we take them away too early. So you don't really think about, I don't think the average cat lover thinks about their kitten needing to learn how to be a cat, but it is critically important because they have their genetic tendencies and they are a cat, but they need to learn about being a normal, healthy, socialized cat. So thank you for pointing that out. Someone dumped a litter of kittens with a note on our front porch at Applebrook Animal Hospital. And normally we go ahead and take these pets to the shelter so they can find homes there. But this particular instance, my staff and I really just loved these kittens and they were only two weeks old. And so we fostered these kittens and it has been such a fun experience. And they are still with us. They are eight weeks old and they've learned how to be kittens. And we've held on to them a little longer than maybe the average because we want that. And they are so interactive and they've gone home with my hospital coordinator and she puts them in a baby stroller and she lets her kids handle them. And they are the most amazing little cats. So they prove everything that you have just said. You're right. I mean, certainly I think that a lot of us kind of just think that it's normal for cats to run and hide when you have people come into the home or hate going to the veterinary hospital, but it really doesn't have to be that way. Through early exposure, positive associations, we can actually make them more resilient and happy about some of those experiences. So I know that you like to convince people to participate in a kitten class. Can you tell us a little bit about kitten class? The kitten classes are a great way to have a controlled exposure to novelty, exploration, as well as other people. So it's not always that easy in your own home if you've got a new kitten to have multiple people come over and have your kitten get used to visiting them. That's important. I still want people to do that because having people come into the house is very important and the cat learned that, hey, someone's here to play with me or to give me special treats. However, getting them out into different environments, we often know doesn't happen as often with cats. And so where is the one place we usually have to take them? The veterinary hospital or the groomers. And cats become frightened about car travel, getting put in their carrier, all those types of things. And so a kitten class is a controlled group setting with kittens less than 14 weeks of age and their pet owners. And the kittens learn as well as the pet owners learn about things like the carrier is a great place to go. It can be a fun place to find treats and toys. It's nothing to worry about. It's also they learn appropriate play with each other because oftentimes people think it's really fun to play with kittens with their hands. But It is a serious problem as they get older because they can cause bites or scratches that can cause serious infections in people. And so teaching new kitten owners appropriate ways to play with their kitten and get them engaged on toys instead. And then also being handled by different people and enjoying that and learning about veterinary care, husbandry care, and grooming. Those are all kind of the key components of a good kitten class that can be offered in veterinary hospitals. They are not nearly as prevalent as they should be in the United States. So kitten classes in Australia actually are very prevalent. A lot of veterinary hospitals are offering a kitten social class within their veterinary hospital. The United States is starting to pick up on that. I think that we're starting to promote it a lot more and hopefully we'll have a lot more 
opportunities for kitten owners to find a great kitten class to start early. I'm super excited about implementing that at Applebrook because I think it's really, really fun to play with kittens. We're going to take a short break and return to this super fun, cool topic in a few moments. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And we're here with Debbie Martin, the licensed veterinary technician specialist in behavior, talking about kittens and cats and the way their brains work and grow and fun things that we can do to help optimize that. Debbie, I would like to maybe talk about some do's and don'ts for handling cats and kittens, just for the general cat lover out there. Sure. I think that a lot of people have a misconception that when they start thinking about, okay, I'll do some handling with them, they think, I'll just touch them everywhere and they'll get used to it and they'll start to like it. So oftentimes when I talk to clients about this, I'll ask them, you know, do they like to have their feet touched? And it's usually about 50-50. Some people will say, yes, I like a foot massage. Sign me up right away. Other people will say, not if you paid me. I don't want you to touch my feet. If you were one of those people that didn't like having their feet touched, and I just kept touching your feet and touching your feet, there's not going to be one day that you say, hey, I like that, right? So sensitivity levels are different in each individual person as well as each individual animal. And so... I coach owners to pair something that we know the cat really likes with being touched in sensitive areas. So for example, I might touch the kitten's ear and give it a little piece of a kitty treat to chew up. I might run my hand down the back of the cat towards the rump or the tail and then follow it with a little treat. If I'm working on grooming or brushing, I might touch the brush to their side, do a couple strokes, and then maybe give a little head rub along the ears, which I've determined that this cat likes likes to be massaged by the ears. Uh, So finding what each individual cat enjoys or likes and pairing those touch-type things with those things the cat likes. So do you think most cats like to be touched on their face, for example? I would say majority of them do. There are always exceptions and probably that has to do with what kind of early handling or lack of handling that they had. We do know that if kittens haven't been handled by humans by seven weeks of age, they will be more of a feral cat. And so certainly if they haven't had any handling, that would probably be 
not something that a cat would find enjoyable. But majority of cats really like kind of around the ears or the cheeks being rubbed there gently or scratched around the head. My cat places loves where it. They can't reach themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my cat loves it. And he likes also for us to rub down his back and his rump and he'll pop his little rump in the air. And it's just so much yeah. fun to play with him. Sensitivities are different depending on each individual. Some cats get too overstimulated if you run your hand down their back towards their rump. They'll get too excited or aroused and it can lead to kind of turning around and mouthing. So finding what works for each cat is really important. Excellent. I know that you work in a behavior practice. So can you kind of discuss a little bit maybe what the most common behavior problem that you see in cats and and some tips for recognizing that maybe for our listeners? Yeah, probably the two most prevalent issues that we are contacted by pet owners about for cats would be inappropriate elimination in the home, as well as some kind of aggression between cats living together. So there's a lack of harmony between the personalities of the multiple cat households. So those are probably the two most prevalent problems that we get contacted about. And they are, they have varying degrees of success. Certainly inappropriate elimination in the home actually is one of those things that is a very treatable condition. If we are able to identify stressors and rule out any medical concerns or issues, whenever there's an elimination issue, so the cat's not using the litter box how we would like them to, we always want to make sure first that they're vet checked and we've ruled out any medical contributing factors. And then we look at the behavioral aspects of it too. With intercat aggression in the home, so cats that are living within the same home but not getting along, they have personality differences, that one could be a little bit tricky because as people, we get to choose who we live with and that doesn't always work out either. But certainly cats, they don't get to choose which cat comes into the house. We make that choice for them. And there are times there are a clash in personality. So really working on finding a way that the cats can live safely and have a high quality of life with the pet owner and the other cats in the house is really our ultimate goal. Do you have any tips that you could share with a way to introduce a new cat to a resident cat? It's really important for just like with dating, first impressions make a very profound impact and they stick with them forever. So we usually coach people to be as proactive as possible, assume that it could be stressful or that they may not be accepting of another cat coming into the house. And we do a gradual exposure and with a new, like if I was having a kitten come into a house that already has some adult cats, I would certainly want to set the kitten up in its own safe area away from the other cats that they don't actually see each other for a couple days. I let the kitten get acclimated to being in that environment. We let the other cats get used to the smell of the kitten and hearing that there's something else in the house. And then we start to do gradual exposure in a controlled way where there are barriers that they can see each other, but good stuff happens. Like a special meal when that kitten's over there behind in its cat condo and my owner plays with me over here and it's really fun. And they start to get used to each other. And we mix the smells too, because smell is really important to cats. They actually, I think they recognize each other more based on smell than they do visually. And that mixing the smells, like so we take a towel and we rub it on the little kitten and we take it on the adult cats and we kind of mix those scents together and then we leave it out in the environment so they can get used to the mixture of the smells of each other. That's not something frightening or scary. 
So those are a couple of things that can help kind of make that process go smoother. And I usually tell people, you know, anticipate at least a week of taking time to introduce them slowly so that we don't have a lifetime of having to change their mind about how they feel about each other. So certainly don't just come home from the animal shelter and open the box and dump your new kitten out in the middle of the floor. It requires a little bit of planning, I think. It does. It does. If we, if we want to really prevent an issue from developing and make sure that they have the best chance for accepting each other. Because cats, you know, as they become, as they move out of their adolescence, so they're teenagers and they're becoming an adult cat around two or so, they tend to be less accepting of other cats. How important do you think it is for each cat in the home to kind of have their own space? Just like with people, (laughs) I think that we all need our own space. We need our places to get away and kind of recharge. And cats are no different. So certainly having core areas that each cat can have all of its needs met. So what I mean by a core area, a core area is going to have a variety of different resting spots uh, and hiding spots lookout spots, so elevated surfaces, as well as there will be food available in that area and water, and then litter box option. So there's not as much competition amongst the cats. Many cats, they live fairly well with each other harmoniously, but if there's competition over resources and they all have to come together to a central location to, say, use a litter box or get the water, sometimes that can create a little bit of tension. And so by having these kind of core areas, multiple areas within the household that allow for the resources to be plentiful will have less stress between cats in a multi-cat household. So when you do add a new cat, maybe it's an adult cat, you want to make sure that you have at least a week to acclimate, probably longer. And so the cats are not ever left together unattended. Is that what I'm understanding? Correct. Yeah. So they are, they have their kind of areas of the house that they spend time in where they are visually separated, that they actually aren't seeing each other. And there will be times that you'll want to swap those areas so that they can, we can mix the scent that one room doesn't just become the new cat's room and the rest of the house is the, the resident cat's area. So we would switch out those areas to mix those scents and get them comfortable in different areas of the house. But definitely, We want to have only supervised interactions early on. How do you know when the acclimation period is over? How can you look at the way those two cats interact with each other and decide that they are getting used to each other? So a lot of it is that they kind of get used to each other and they're less vigilant or less interested, really, that they're just like, oh, yeah, that cat's over there. It's not a big deal. They're not so fixated on each other. They actually are more engaged in doing other things or it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I've seen him. Not a big deal at all. So at that point, we know they're habituating or getting used to the presence of the other cat and they're less concerned. And that would make me feel more comfortable that they're not as worried and that the interactions are going to be better. We would also probably see more affiliative type behavior. So there may be some like head butting between the doors or at that point we might have a visual like a baby gate up or stacked baby gates that they can see each other and they would start butting against the door frame or or the baby gates to actually interact and, and do kind of friendly behaviors with each other. So it's going to all be observation of how they interact with each other and watching their body language. I think probably Mm -hmm. everybody would know if there was an aggression or an aggressive stance between them. So maybe it'll be instinctive to know when that time has come. 
some of them can be really obvious, like they're hissing, they're growling, they're chasing after the other cat. So they can be overt signs of not accepting him. But some can be really subtle too. So they can just be staring really hard at the other cat. And maybe the tip of their tail is flipping back and forth. That would tell me that that cat is still pretty agitated about the newcomer in the house and that they're keeping their eye on them, that they're not relaxed. You want to see your cat being completely relaxed in the presence of the new cat. And that would be, you know, think about what your cat looks like when they're relaxed. My cats have always looked pretty laid out, you know, they're laying on their side, their belly's hanging out and they're just chilling. And so if we're seeing that kind of relaxed behavior in the presence of the other cat and controlled exposure, then we're feeling like they're more comfortable with each other. But hiding and overt aggressive signs are not okay in this instance. Right. So today we've kind of learned some cool things that a cat gets their personality somewhat from their father cat. And sometimes we don't know who the baby daddy is, but that we can make a difference in how our cat matures by interacting and making sure that socialization occurs. Also, super interesting that we have been adopting cats maybe a little too early, maybe weaning them a little too early, and that that 10 weeks is actually the more ideal time. Do you have anything else that you definitely wanted to squeak into our talk today? I think that the biggest thing is that preventing issues is, is much easier than trying to treat them. And so taking a proactive stance instead of just sitting back to see, you know, how is this going to turn out? Being proactive is always better than having to be reactive to a situation. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, I guess. Well, it looks like we are about out of time. Thank you for joining us for Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I would really like to thank our producer, Mark Winter, and most especially, Debbie Martin, who helped us learn a lot about cats today. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Dr. Cat. So everyone who is listening out there, I hope you have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.